We've never wavered from that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourself and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted. It really is a revolution. Welcome to the Hustle Center Podcast, where I take the time to dissect the patterns of success and failure for my favorite people on earth. Today, we have Mr. Shane Barker on. Shane is an awesome dude. He is a crack marketer, SEO, Instagram, you name it. And uh, apparently the eater of some of the most delicious tacos that I have seen <laughs> ever. Um, okay. Wh- wh- where, are th- where are those tacos from that are on your feed? Because they look insane. They're actually, it's a, a food truck out of Sacramento. Yeah, I, those, it's so funny that like any kind of food stuff like that. I mean, I was eating those tacos and I, I, at that point, I just felt like I could probably just go to heaven. Like I had those tacos and I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I need to go on as an entrepreneur, as an individual on this earth. I felt like I had already, I'd already hit the top of the world. So at that point I, I did continue on obviously, cause I'm on the podcast. If I was to die after the tacos, I wouldn't have been here. Um, but yeah, man, it was one of those deals, man. Those things are, uh, they were life changing. Oh man. Uh, well, we're glad that those tacos did not, you know, uh, did not knock you into a coma, although maybe Mm-mm. slightly had to watch yeah. them Rick and Morty, had to watch them Rick and Morty after those tacos for sure. <laughs> uh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, for those of you guys that want to find out more about Shane, you can find him at Shane Barker. That's S H A N E B A R K E R. That's B A R K E R, uh, on Instagram and, uh, Shane Barker.com. Uh, if you want to have him speak, Shane Barker.com slash speaking, a uh, super awesome dude. And if there's anything I missed, I could totally unpack a bunch more stuff. But I think what we should do is just dive straight in to the real question of vulnerability. So um, when I asked you today, I'm like, is anything off limits? You're like, no, nothing is off limits. We can talk about anything. And um, there's a certain sense of, I think, uh, courage and bravery that you have to have in the social media space. So for those those guys that, that are not familiar with you, you maybe want to do a quick little, you know, instructor at UCLA type of intro and then um, talk a little bit about like vulnerability and how you can use that as an advantage in life. Yeah. 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 For sure. So um, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you did. He said, Hey, like, you know, is there anything like you, you can't talk about? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm kind of old school in that way of like really got nothing to hide. Got some pretty crazy stories and anyways, but yeah. So I, I really started off in the digital space 20, 25 years ago. It's been a long time. Um, started off doing, you know, social media and I really built my own businesses online and that's kind of how I learned through the online space. And that's kind of how I was kind of grinding it out. Got my degree. My degree was, you know, there wasn't a lot of digital marketing marketing at that time. Once again, this was, I graduated in 2003. So you do the math on that. So, you know, I, I really, the way that I've learned the stuff that I've learned today is really through grinding it out and, you know, being online and doing it for my own businesses. And then that's kind of catapulted me into doing consulting today. So I am an instructor at UCLA. I do teach a personal branding, how to be an influencer course. Um, I didn't teach it this, actually this quarter, because um, I'm in Sacramento, California, and that's obviously in Los Angeles. I'd have to fly down once a week um, to UCLA and teach the course and then come back. But um, I also do um, a lot of keynote speaking, like in on two weeks, I'll be in India, actually I'll be in Mumbai um, for uh, India Times is having me on as a keynote speaker there. So I'm excited about that. I've, got a, I've been in San Francisco anyways. I've got a, a pretty packed out schedule in regards to speaking events. That's been awesome. Been 
fun. It's, I love being on stage and what's going to be able to educate people on the process of, you know, digital marketing, influencer marketing, SEO content. I mean, there's, you know, it all, they all kind of play into each other. Um, and then I, I also, and you wouldn't know this from any of my profiles, but I also flip real estate. So I have a, a company called RNS, REI.com, which is a, we flip properties here in Sacramento and in the Bay Area. So I go in, I have a partner, Ray, and we go in, take a look at properties and go and negotiate a great deal and go and make this ugly piece of property that nobody wanted in the neighborhood. That was the eyesore into this beautiful piece of property that everybody wants to buy. And so um, it's been an interesting transition. So when we talk about hustle, I've I've done a lot of stuff, man. I used to own a bar back in the day in Chico, California. Um, I've you know invested in restaurants and anyway, so there's, there's a lot of, I forget, like I have to write down the stuff that I've done because I'll be on calls and be like, I thought you did this. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. <laughs> I still do that. And they're like, okay, so I'm confused on how you don't know what you're doing, right? I mean, it's, I've, I'm very fortunate these days, I have a 36-person team. So, I have an awesome team that I've put, you know, some awesome processes in place to be able to make it so that I, you know, I'm able to do multiple projects at once um, and not lose the rest of my hair that I have. Yeah, nice. That's the goal. <laughs> you got you to you have the, the optimism at the end of the day, man. That's uh, it. I love it. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's unpack that um, because that's, that's rather impressive. Um, how do you go about um, letting go of the wheel? So, that, so if you were to rewind back many, many years back to, to your, say, first critical team member, like non-VA, you know, actual like real accountability being passed on where, you know, clients' results matter uh, in this case. And now all of a sudden, this person has to drive those. Uh, how do you go about if someone, let's say, is, is wearing a ton of hats, right? As uh, all of us uh, as entrepreneurs, we often are. Um, how did they go about saying, okay, which hat should, which hat did you pick first to offload? And how did you go about deciding that? And how did you go about transferring that ownership uh, over to somebody else? Uh, let's maybe break that down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think the hardest part being an entrepreneur is letting go of that wheel, right? Is, is really delegation and, and praying that somebody is going to, you know, do the, the kind of job that you would do yourself. And so, I think one thing you have to realize is that there's probably very seldom is there anybody that will that will take on your business and do the, the same job that you would do at your business and you would do, right? So, I mean, if you're going to find somebody that would have the same passion that you'll have as the owner, that's very difficult to find. So, um, unless you have somebody that is part owner and then they have vested interests in success. So, um, I was very lucky um, early on. I was, I, you know, what I would do is I would go to, and this was many moons ago, I go to like get a freelancer, I'd go to these websites and I would hire freelancers. And then when I realized through that whole process is I hired probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, um, I started to realize like, you know, work ethic and what people say they were going to do something, they would do it. And, you know, also about, you know, just there was a, there are certain core ethics that I was looking for in certain individuals. And eventually I ended up finding that, right. I found a lot of people that, I mean, that's how I really grew my team. Right. And I, I got myself to a position where I would hire freelancers and they did a great job. And then I would hire them for another one and hire for another one. And then next, you know, I'm bringing them on full time. And so that's how I really grinded it out because it's very difficult to just say, Hey, you know, take on these 10 things and God, I just hope they do. Okay. Like for me, it was more of a, let me see that you can do this, right? You say that you can do it. Usually what I'll do these, my process, these, days is let's say if I want somebody to give me an example, video editor, what I'll do is I'll have three pieces of raw content. I'll send it to three different editors and tell them and pay them what they're supposed to be paid and then see who comes back with the best content for me. So I just test people, right? And say, Hey, where are we at? Everybody can say they're great. You can, they can show you a video that they did, but how do we really know unless you really, you know, go down there and they're actually applying it. So 
I actually have people apply stuff. And then when I, you know, cause I'm not a video editor, right? So I know that I know enough about it to be dangerous, but I'll go and I'll send it to somebody. Then they'll go and, you know, knock it out and bring it back to me within the timeline. They said they're going to be, they're going to get it done. And with, you know, the certain, you know, transitions that I'm looking for the, whatever this is, and then now I can go and I go, okay, now that person I know can take on my video stuff and I feel okay with letting go of the wheel on that, right? But it, it is, it's a difficult position to be in because it's real scary to do that, right? Because then what you're doing is you're hoping that somebody else is going to, to you know, take your business to that next level and that you're still going to be, you know, a part of it and know, and, you know, and, and be, like I said, I guess really them taking the next level and, and you still being a part of it and knowing what's going on and, and having that, that, I guess, that trust. And that's, it's, that's hard to do because having that trust and trusting people to, to take things to the next level and help you with that can be a daunting task. But you have to realize that if you're looking to scale or grow, you have to have other people on your team, right? I, I was a typical entrepreneur when the beginning, my bu- beginning businesses, I was pretty much holding on to everything, right? I was, oh my God, I'm, just, this, I'm better off just doing it myself. The problem is you can't scale. You're always the hurdle. You're always the, the road bump, right? So you're always going to be the person in the middle that's making it so that this thing doesn't go to that next step because you have to approve something or you have to look at something. So delegation is if you're not delegating right now, then you're absolutely not going to scale your business. I mean, that's just how it goes. Awesome. Yeah. They, they talk a lot about removing roadblocks, but what about when you're the roadblock? What do you do? You are most of the time. I mean, you really are. It's like if, you know, a lot of the times in the beginning, you, cause you want to be in the middle of this, you want to be in the middle of that. And what I tell my clients and what I advise people, friends and family and other you know, entrepreneurs is like, write down the 10 things. Let's say it's 10 things that you do on a daily basis and figure out the, the things that you have to do. Right. And most of the time there's nine things you can delegate. Yep. Some, potentially 10 things. I mean, I just, in the last two years, I've just delegated all my emails. Yep. Like, I'm not saying I don't look at emails, but I absolutely have somebody that I've trained that goes and looks at my emails. So when I wake up in the morning, instead of my 200 or 300 or 5,000 emails I get daily, I have 25 emails in there. And they're yep. solid emails of either leads or people want questions about payments or something that, are, that I need to respond to. And even then, I'm looking to delegate those. Like, I'm going to say, hey, you know how we answer this next time? Like, I'm all about processes because... This is the thing is if you can't go take a week or take two weeks off of your job or your work or do something and you're the head of the machine and when you leave, the whole business goes crazy. Nobody knows what to do. You don't have a business. You're not selling that business. So if you're looking to exit that business in 10 years, you can't exit because you know everything. You're the person that's in the middle of everything. And that doesn't make any sense. Somebody's looking to buy your business because you have to have processes in place. And so once again, look at those 10 things, 20 things, 30 things. What are the things that, you know, like for me as an example, like, there's no way as of today that if I was going to go speak in Mumbai in two weeks that I could have somebody else do that other than me. Yep. Now cloning, they're cloning sheep. So I, maybe yep. one day we're working that <laughs> we're on that. I mean, maybe 2020, 2021, we might have a little Shane clone, probably going to be better looking. We'll, we'll improve some <laughs> things, right? I mean, there's some things that we're looking at that I'll have on my little checklist. I'm sure my wife will have a checklist too. But the point being is, is like, that's something I have to do. Like I can't, I can't replace that. But the negotiations with the people going back and forth, I can train somebody to do that or making sure my contracts are signed or making sure find out who's going to pick me up at the airport or which hotel where my reservation is going to be at or when do I need to catch my next flight? All that all can be managed by somebody else. And yep. so that's what you have to look at. Dude, I had a hilarious moment. I was, uh, I was here at Erewhon uh, yesterday and like, I saw a friend, I'm like, dude, what's up? What's up? What's up? And he's like, dude, let's schedule a meeting. I'm like, cool. And he's like, he's like, add me on your calendar. I'm like, I don't remember how to do that. <laughs> and I'm like sending a WhatsApp voice. And I'm like, make sure we set up a meeting with this guy. <laughs> and he, he's looking at me. He's like, are you like, do you just like, 
like how does your life run and it's just it's out it's kind of you as you kind of get higher and higher you tr- you have to train yourself to actually not engage with those tasks right it's yeah. almost like uh, it's almost like customer support in a way where you have to filter out what is a real issue that needs to be immediately addressed and what is just someone who maybe is dealing with other frustrations in their life and now they're making your company and your support team kind of the, the triangulator of all of that frustration that they have due to a whole bunch of other elements um, and, and cutting away the fat. So, dude, I, I, lo- I love that. Okay, so so talk, uh, let's, let's unpack that a little bit more. So you, you've got a team of, you said 36? That's yeah. Like, that's no joke, dude. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to manage. Um, how do you structure that internally for, uh, you know, the internal management? Is it like, do you have like a general system? How, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I uh, I beat my employees and I let the other employees watch. So I mean, we run a tight ship over here. No, I'm just kidding. No, really the funny part is so my team, I've got an awesome team. Like I really, I haven't had to beat anybody and nobody's had to beat me. So it's been awesome. But my team's all remote, man. So we run a team and, you know, we run obviously like Slack and we, you know, Google Drive and Trillo and, you know, for task management. Um, Zoom has obviously been big for, you know, doing any kind of meetings. Um, we also use Loom for like, any, if I want to record something. So that's been a blessing. Like if I'm trying to explain something, like, or, Hey, I'm trying to change this or do this or do that. It's, you know, in the back in the past, I'd write a, a, an email that took me one day to write and then I'd send it to him and then I'd read it in the morning. And I'd be like, what did I even write? You know? And I'm like, how do I expect these people to understand this? So I would start using videos and we pop it up and pop up the landing page or whatever it is. And Hey you guys, this is what I need changed. I want this. I want that. So, you know, it, it, the process that I put is, is just tons of processes of like, I'll give you an example. So you said like if somebody from customer support reaches out and they're, they just land blast you and they blast you and they do this, 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 and this, and your customer support doesn't know how to handle it. The way that I would handle it is I tell customer support, I'm like, hey, what's the issue? And they're like, hey, this person wrote this and wrote that and blah, blah, blah. Like, how do we deal with it? So what I do is I jump on a call with them on Zoom. I record the call and I go, okay, so this is how we handle these customer service issues. And let me tell you, usually what the issue is, like, we don't want to go back and tell them they're wrong and this, that, and the other. We tell them, hey, listen, we understand what you're saying. Um, what we're going to do is we're absolutely going to look into this. And what we've decided is to give you 50% off of whatever, like whatever we feel like is, is something that, you know, we have to understand what they're looking for, right? And so what I do is, and I record that video. And then what they do is they take that video and then they go over to Google Drive doc and they say, in these types of situations, right, and, and they're pretty atypical, right? But let's say, you know, if this kind of stuff happens, this is how we would answer this. This is, and that's a training. And so they go and they write that in the Google Drive doc. And what they do is they'll go and they'll go and search irate client that seems like they should be on medication, right? And let's say they looked that up and there there goes. And then they can see that the answer that I would write to them on Google Drive. And, and it's not always, you know, you're not going to have it so that 100% of the time you're going to have 100% of the answers. But that Google Drive doc that we've created is usually 80% of the answers that need to be answered. 80, 90% of them. 10% there's the outliners of other people that are, once again, crazy or under-medicated or just, you know, just want to write you a crazy email or send you a weird picture or something, right? We got to figure out how we handle it. That happens, you know, we're not here to judge. Dude, I love it. I love it. Uh, I I love that you unpack that. This recording is actually going to be an SOP for my clone in about 15 years on how to do do these podcasts. It'll be be a little baby clone. Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, I love it. I love it. Okay, so this kind of ties into like, you know, for our work week, Tim Ferriss kind of territory, right? Of like some things you can automate. You mentioned some things you absolutely cannot automate. Um, such as speaking, such as like, you know, me doing this, this podcast with like one of your staff members totally would have a different vibe, right? Your vibe really yeah. comes across. It's really authentic. It's really awesome. Uh, so let's talk maybe a little bit about like culture. Okay. So this is a huge one. I've got a lot of remote team members also. And how do you go about creating a culture of unity 
when you don't have everyone in the same office, what are some of the tools and tricks that maybe you use uh, for that? I think that'd be huge. Yeah. So we, uh, we actually get together once a year. Um, in fact, I'm getting together and well, right after Mumbai, I'm flying out. So, uh, and then we get together once a year and we get the whole office that gets together and, and kind of has a team outing and team meeting. Usually it's uh, anywhere from a weekend to a week long um, and where everybody gets together and it's just kind of our time and I fly everybody in and we all have kind of like a little vacation, but also kind of a get to know time as well. Cause that is important. I mean, remote life, I've been doing it for, I don't know how long now it is awesome. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, if I look around, there's nobody in my office, right? Like, I mean, in this, in this office, that I have here. Um, so it's one of those things that it can get lonely, right? I mean, there's kind of a situation where you're like, wow, this is, I got this big old team and all this stuff. And it's different when you have people actually in your office, but there's also some value in, in remote work as well, right? So now you can have, I mean, if I wanted to go and sit down in my office and meditate for a half an hour, or go take a nap or whatever, I can do that, right? Because I'm, I'm not of the old school thinking of like, hey, it has to be from eight to five and you have to do this and you have to take one hour lunch. Like for me, it's like, Hey man, like whatever you do, as long as you're getting your work done and you're productive, then I'm cool with that. Cause I'm not going to go put a video camera in your office to make sure that you're clocking in and clocking out and watching your screen and taking pictures of you. Like the government already does that. Like I, I don't need to get in the way of the government, right? I'm not here to get in the way of that process. Shout out to the government, by the way, please don't follow me. Um, I was just kidding about that part for the most part. Thug life. Yeah. yeah because, probably, they're, because they're definitely listening to this podcast also. For sure. For sure. sure. Yeah. Well, I we, just, love, I mean, we, lo- we love paying. I love paying my taxes. Love taxes. I love, love taxes. taxes. Big heart, big heart to taxes. Ooh, love shout those out to, <laughs> man, shout out to those folks. Um, but, but this panda, this panda is definitely a business expense, just to be clear, so that they don't. <laughs> it, is, it is at the office. It that is at sense. the office. And it is a critical for the success of every podcast mm, uh, to have good a, point. you know, animal. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Dude. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, so we can, we can keep going down that rabbit hole. I think, um, I think this is good for the, for the people that are listening to see, Oh, wow. One, one thing that I really kind of admire about you is you seem to have a very non-emotional response to things like offloading. And I'm sure that's just from training from having done it over and over again. But I think for a lot of people, it becomes a very emotional decision that this part of the business that uh, they, they've built, they've nurtured that, that they're holding on to, they now have to uh, hand off. And so uh, I really admire that about you. I think one area that we can unpack even a little bit more that I think would be kind of interesting for everyone to uh, listen in on, and this, this kind of relies a little bit more towards your area of expertise, right? So uh, you're fulfilling a lot of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about what are the things that you fulfill for clients currently? And then the big uh, twist here is going to be what's something that, because it's kind of the beginning of a new year, what is something that you're going to do totally different this year uh, than you did before? And like, why? It could be Instagram, it could be funnels, it could be uh, personal influence branding. Like, what's that thing that you're like, you know, we, we the whole world is kind of doing it this way. We're going to do it totally different. Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear the backstory behind that. Yeah. So, okay. So the first question was, what, tell me the first, I know the answer to the second question. I was thinking about the second one, then all of a sudden I forgot the first one. Um, it's You could just do the second one. The first one okay. is more of like a statement of like, you, you have a very good, I think, I think this is more ah. like a lesson for the guys to, to, to listen to the tonality of the way you talk about these things. It's a very mm-hmm. matter of fact. It's like, well, of course I offloaded that. It was no longer effective. It was no longer efficient. Yeah. Right. You, you have to, I mean, for me, for like, for the answer to number one. So for me, it's, um, cause it is matter of fact, for me, it's a, it's a, it's the way that I want to run my business, the way that I want to live my life. So I have to figure, Hey, if I want to do if I want to travel the world, if I want to spend more time with my wife, I want to spend more time with my son, if I want to do these things, if I want to go travel internationally and spend a week there, then what do I need to do to not work 18 hours a day? 
right? And so that's, for me, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to, A, I can hold on to everything. I can stress out about it. I can like just latch on to everything or I can put processes in place and know that if I'm going to be gone for a week or two, that things are going to be under control, right? And that's not to say that I don't get emails or I don't get Slack messages. I mean, I do, but what happens is everything that I do in life, everything that comes my way through a Slack message, I look at it and go, how can I outsource that? If I don't need to be, if I don't need to receive that message or what kind of training needs to happen so that next time I don't have to receive that message. And it's not that I don't want to interact with my team. I'm just looking at it like I have 36 people on my team and how do I make it so that most of this stuff can be outsourced, right? Because I'm, I'm not, if I, or if it can't be outsourced, I can train somebody so that now they know how to do it next time. So that's what I look at. That's my process in my mind is like, hey, if I want to go and do Pilates for two hours, or if I want to go to Turkey and stay there for a week, how can I do that? And that wasn't my mindset early on. When I first started off, it was like, hold on to everything. Nobody can do it better than you. Like I didn't even hire mentors. I didn't take classes. I mean, I took, I would read some stuff online and I did take some classes, but like, I wouldn't look at mentors. I was like, you got it. And finally I realized I was like, dude, that's stupid. Like you should take courses. You should find mentors and you could, you could do all that stuff. And I would say, so for 2020, um, one of the things that we're doing differently is, and it's not what I say differently is that, you know, obviously I've got my podcast that we're doing the Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast. Um, we're really going heavy onto that. I'm going to start doing probably about five recordings a week, or at least, you know, five recordings that people will hear a week. So I'm really excited about that. And we have a really big, so seven years ago is when I started doing the influencer marketing thing, right? That's how I got the job at UCLA. Um, really the last, past few years, I mean, we've seen some big changes in the industry and I, and this, there's, there's still the core issue and what we're looking to, to rectify and to correct this year is that influencers um, don't know how to like make themselves like a company, right? A brand and brands don't know how to work with influencers. So we have this, the analogy I use, it's like a, it's like a dance. It's like a high school dance, you know, it's like freshman year and it's that first dance and the guys want to dance with the girls and the girls want to dance with the guys, but they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to put my hands. I don't know where to look in the eyes. I don't know whether to look up, look down. I'm sweating profusely. Like, I don't, you know, I know that I want to do this. I know this is, you know, eventually this will lead to probably sex and super great things, right? Speaking just bluntly, you know, in, but that's the thing is like, it's the same thing with influencers and brands. It's like they work together and they wonder why campaigns don't work. It's because they, they're missing, they're missing a lot of different things, right? This is the analogy I use. And this is, I'm sure your audience will enjoy this because I know you have nothing but an awesome audience. The analogy, I, I don't usually use this on stage because it can be a, little, a teeny bit inappropriate. But now we talk about the dance is one thing. It's really like two 15 year olds having sex and having a baby. Like you can do that, right? You absolutely can, but you shouldn't, right? You should probably wait till you're 18 or 21 or 22 or whatever. I'm not here to judge, but just because you can have sex at 15 doesn't mean you should have a baby, right? Go have fun. People party on. So really the way I look at it, it's the same thing with brands and influencers. They're like 15 years old and they're like, Hey, we want to do this. And this looks like fun. Don't go have a baby together. Like really, you got to kind of learn, learn, you know, hang out with each other, learn the process before you guys go decide to go get married. So that's the thing. I, that's what we're looking to do. It's like I do like last year I did brand workshops for like Amazon and some really big companies where we would come in and I would, you know, train them and they would, I was weird because at the end I would, or at the beginning I would think, God, they must know this. And I would train them. They go, dude, that was mind blowing. And for me, I'm like, God, that's like pretty basic and nothing. I mean, this, there was, I mean, we did this huge workshop in San Francisco with about 30 really, really big brands. And now we have the, how to be an influencer course. They're doing the, how to be an influencer.com is the, is the website where we're going to help influencers. It's going to be based off my UCLA curriculum. 
And what it's going to be is like really how to, not only how to be an influencer, but how to be a content creator, but how to create that into a business, into a business that makes money, right? And a lot of influencers don't look at like the longevity of it. They're like, well, you know, if they're going to offer me 500 bucks and I just got to take it and then go do the content. It's like, yeah, but is that fit with your brand, right? Does that fit with what you have going on? And then brands will also go 500 bucks, let's just give them 500 bucks. And they're like, well, does that fit with your brand? Well, I don't know, but you know, you hit a lot of followers though. And that's what we care about. No, that's not the number one thing you look at. So, you know, it really comes down to this education. So I'm in the middle of, you know, 15 year olds having sex, which that's a great visual for everybody out there, which is totally legal, I'm sure. But here I am in the middle going, hey, you know what brands, you guys got to do this thing a little differently, right? And this is how you have to do it. We have these workshops and stuff that I usually do in person or at the whatever at their office. But the How to Be an Influencer course will actually be a course online. That's going to be a course where they can go in and, you know, get some information and, and figure out exactly how to build their brand, like how to put the content together, how to, you know, put your website together, how to put a media kit together, like how to be ready, right? Like you want to go pitch Nike, but your email is, is hotgirl69 at Gmail. Like that's probably not going to get Nike's attention, right? Yeah, you, there's how'd branding. You, how'd that how'd you know that was my email account? Because I've emailed you. That's how do you think I got in the podcast? And I was like, I was like, hey, send pictures. Don't, let's not make this totally inappropriate. But no, no, right. I, I, I don't mind. You know, a, a good example, a good little segue. I'm gonna let you keep blazing, but a good little segue of this is when Tim started talking about psychedelics on his podcast. Tim Ferriss, right? Uh, there was a point where he's like, look, like this is something that is is a little bit awkward that people aren't really comfortable to unpack. Let's just do it. Let's unpack it here. I think it's good. Uh, this this is a, it's funny. I don't know if you know Stefan Arneo. But uh, I'm going to be on his podcast mid month, and and this is like planting the seed for for some of those those outrageous conversations that are going to be happening. So Dude, he he's a nut. I was on his podcast uh, about a month ago, month month and a half ago. Tell him Shane says hi. Yeah, I was on his podcast, and that guy's something else because he's obviously doing the real estate thing as well, right? He's got his whole program that he does the high end real estate and has done some good stuff on Instagram on that. Yeah, I know his team, and I know him very very well. He's a he's an awesome dude. Yeah, totally. He's well, something he, else. Well, totally. And his angle is, look, I don't care that you guys are uncomfortable. This doesn't matter. And honestly, this is something that's a takeaway for everybody who's listening. It's like, if you don't have the cojones to be able to just say whatever comes to mind, then how are you going to build a brand? I think a lot of the way that you speak on this podcast is actually a core principle of the way that you do business with influencers and with brands is if it's not congruent, don't do it. Be congruent. And the people that gravitate will gravitate. And of course, everybody will have haters. So if you're sitting there, you're like, that's an inappropriate example. You're kind of missing the point. Like you're missing the point entirely. And you need to wake up, you need to snap in, and you need to dial back into what Shane's saying because uh, I love the way that you're, you're presenting this. I think it's great. I think you've got a great message here. Um, so, you know, back to the 15 year olds having sex in the middle of the dance floor while you're standing and, and trying to I mean, offer life advice. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I, I think that's the first step of becoming a life coach, you know, in, yeah. those, in those moments, right? Yeah. Just um, be careful when you're in the middle. I mean, for obvious reasons. No, totally. Um, so I, I think like a good segue there is like, what are these things that let's say, let's say influencers first, cause we work with a lot of influencers as well on the agency side. What are some of the things that they do wrong when it comes to seeking out brands? Um, a good example is I've got a good buddy. He's sponsored by uh, Bang Energy. You know, Bang Energy is just throwing money at people <laughs> right now, right? And it's yeah. great, but it's like, is there ROI? Nobody really knows. It just looks cool. You know, you could argue Ignite is doing similar stuff. So what are the things that on the influencer side, you see them uh, not doing correctly in order to be able to get some leverage? Yeah, I think one of the things is, is first of all, like, I mean, Bang is an example because Bang reminds me of like the early influencer days where there was like, there's like, you know, these tea companies that were like, Hey, you can lose weight. And they were giving influencers gobs of money for posts. And I'm like, how are you guys at a $30 tea thing? Like how many do you have to sell if you're offering this influencer a thousand dollars for one post? 
And I know the number, it's 33 of them, right? And that's just to break even on it. Well, not to mention they have their costs and other things. So, you know, in, in a lot of them were just a one-time purchase. It wasn't like a, a, a subscription or something where it's like, you know, you have this residual money each month. So anyways, yeah, Bang is an interesting example because they're, once again, they're hiring everybody and they're throwing money out like it's, you know, like, like they're in Vegas or something. So, and I don't know if the ROI is there for them, but I think it's an influencer. What you have to think about is, is first of all, don't look at the, at the sponsorships as a one-time one-time deal, right? Because what you really should do is figure out how you're going to be able to get these sponsors long-term and how are you going to monetize your profile from multiple angles? And let me give you an example. So let's say you're a fitness influencer. So fitness influencers can be apparel, they can be supplements, they can be speaking engagements, they can be, you know, they can have their own, their own little conferences, right? They can have a weekend retreat. You can have your, I mean, there's, 15 different ways that you can monetize, right? And with, when it comes to influencers, when it comes to different things like that, you can be a travel, you know, you can be a fitness influencer and you can also represent hotels. You can do, there's a hundred different ways really that you could monetize yourself. But what you have to figure out is how are you going to do that long-term? So you go and you're working with a, you know, a, a, let's say it's a hotel company, a Marriott or something. And great, you've done a few things for them. Like you have to figure out how do you get, the, get that brand long-term? Right. And most of the time what happens is Marriott probably knows what they're doing with influencer marketing, but a lot of these brands, they don't. Right. So the thing is, is they're going to come to you and say, oh, okay, like, how do we do this? And if you come and educate the Marriott and what you're going to be doing and how you're going to put the content together, here goes our contract. I'm going to do three posts. I'm going to do this and Instagram stories and I'm going to do a YouTube video. It's going to be, I'm going to get 10 free stays and plus you guys are going to pay me five grand. Okay, great. Let me show you the ROI of that and how we put that all together, right? So the biggest problem with influencers, and it's not a problem with it, it's not their fault, is they're not marketers, right? So uh, they're not marketers and you can't fault them for that. So these are influencers, so people that have social media following, right? Whether that's a thousand or a one million, right? And the problem is they don't really, they know what the kind of content their audience likes because they look at the likes and all that kind of stuff, but they don't know like how, what kind of content to produce, like what is going to really move the needle and how are they going to show that reporting to the brand, right? And how do I compare myself to XYZ influencer? Like give an example. So you go to Adidas and you, you know, you're a big influencer and you you look at Adidas and they're working with Jennifer Smith, let's say, whoever that is, right? And I look at that and I go to Nike and I say, hey, you know what? Adidas is working with Jennifer Smith. And let me tell you why they're missing the boat on this thing. Because Jennifer Smith, they're actually selling women's shoes, right? And Jennifer Smith actually has an 85% male audience. I have an 85% female audience. And this is the kind of content that I would produce for them. I also saw they only did one post. Let me explain why you guys should do three posts. And the reason why they should have done some geotargeting and how they could have used that ad in a PPC ad to get some more local exposure. And Nike's going to be like, that's awesome. Let's do something, right? And Nike might be a bad example because they're a you know, billion-dollar company. But at, at brands below that, a lot of them don't know how to do that, right? They're not – because what the, the idea of this is influencer marketing back in the day was, hey, go post one picture. You put a picture of the creatine and you're praying that everybody's going to go buy it. Influencer marketing today is a strategy. Like you really should put – you need to – there's multiple things that need to happen behind that strategy for it to work. It's not – go hire one influencer that's got a million followers, give them a product, they take a picture on the island and then they, you send it to their followers and then you make a million dollars and you retire. Influencer marketing is noted for the SEO, then PPC. You have to have a strategy behind it, right? Like, you know, when you go put a funnel together, like if you just put one funnel together and you made a million dollars and we would just all go do one funnel. The idea is, is you have to tweak that funnel. You have to tweak your influencer marketing campaign. It's the same deal. Once you find a funnel that works with influencer marketing, guess what you do? 
you know, you hire 10 influencers, you find out the two influencers that are moving the needle, right? That are actually making some money for you. And guess what you do? You take your budget from those other eight, you bring them to the other two. Like it's no different. It, the, the concept is the same, except people in their mind, they read my articles from eight years ago and they say, oh, for every $1, this, this company's making $6.50. Well, yes, but that wasn't the first campaign we did for them. Like, don't get confused. Like, because if I could do that for everybody, like, you got to be kidding me. Of course, you know, if you want to send me $10,000 and I'm going to send you, you know, $65,000 back, like, of course, who's not going to take that offer, right? But you have to realize it. What did it take to get there? right? And it's work and it's going to take time. Like influencer marketing is not just hire one influencer, get one thing posted and then let it happen. You got to put some work into it. Dude, I love it. Yeah. I call it the trove sorrow. I think a lot of people will fail in entrepreneurship because they'll try something and they get really disillusioned. They'll, they'll have an expert like yourself, like myself. They'll hear something from, from Ty, from Russell Brunson, from, you know, you name it. They'll hear that thing and then they'll be like, okay, I'm going to go test that. And then they go and they test it and it doesn't work. And then they go, well, that person must be, you know, and this is why the, they're like, this person must be a scammer. Da, da, da. Well, no, it's the other 50 things that we also are doing, such as making sure the, land, the lander is beautiful and converts and is, lo- is load optimized, right? Making sure that we have the product catalog on the back end to ascend. Yeah, we're not just collecting that $7 tripwire. There's also a several hundred dollar course and maybe a coaching package on the back end. And a lot of people don't understand the business model. And that's one thing that I want everybody listening to take away is respect the business model, AKA respect the dollar. Uh, that's something that proliferates itself through everything you talk about. You're, you're like, look, I'm, I'm hustling here. I've got a real estate thing. I've got this thing. You're really respecting the dollar for what it is because your uh, ability to generate value in the marketplace is reflected in dollars. So actually you, I believe as a man, uh, in a way, the more powerful you become, the more you see that kind of output in what is essentially a metric of dollars, right? And it becomes just a just a, a way to quantify, did I create value? Am I a man in his prime? Am I a man uh, in his power? And you're also respecting the business model of other people. Um, so I think that's, that's just really, really fascinating. I don't know, can you talk a little bit about like your first entrepreneurial event? Like what was the first entrepreneurial thing you did when you realized, you know what, this, this nine to five-ish ain't for me. Uh, we can talk more about funnels in a bit, but I, I'd, love to, I'd love to unpack this. Like what, what, was the, what was the beginning? Like can you maybe even include like a big mistake or like some sort of like, you know, nightmare story type of scenario. I think that would really help, help the guys. Cause you just sound like a total badass now. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate that, man. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to like talk to you every Monday morning or something like Shane, you're a badass. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a badass. I'm start this day. I'm going to kick somebody's ass today. Yeah. Make up. some money or something. Do some, I'm going to delegate something today. I'm going to delegate two things today. Bro, let's um, do, let's, dude, let's, let's start a motivation WhatsApp group where we just pump each other up. That'd be great. Dude, I'm, I'm saying we'll just send memes back and forth and just be totally unproductive for like two hours. I love it. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, so let me see. So for me, like I, my, my quest for entrepreneurship started like way early. Like I don't have the, like the story that everybody has. Like I was homeless in a car and I was like smoking crack. And you know, and then all of a sudden I popped out. Like I, I don't, I wasn't, I've never smoked crack and I've never lived in my car. I think I've slept in it twice and it was in Vegas and it's a whole long story. But um, you know, for me, I started off my journey. Like I, I realized my entrepreneurial spirit, like probably like four or five years old, like in the sense that I was, I, I saw that I could, there's two things that happened to me. There was one that I was in Oregon with my family I'm from California and we were in Oregon. I remember somebody was, they were putting in some cans and they were like recycling. We were somewhere with my, my family were camping and um, I asked mom like, what, what's he doing? And they're like, mom was like, Oh, those cans, like he's recycling, like he's making money. And I'm like, 
recycling cans. Like we're at a campground. Like there's hundreds of cans everywhere. I'm like, so what is it? He just picks them up. And so next thing I know, we go back to the campground. I'm four or five years old. I grab a bag. My mom doesn't know where I'm going. I start collecting cans. I'm like, this is money. Like literally sitting on the ground and people are just not paying attention to it. I'm like, that's a nickel a piece or whatever it was, right? I mean, obviously at four years old, I probably didn't have too much of a bank account. So I'm like, I started collecting cans. And then I went and I, I, my mom's like, yeah, go make that money. So I went, I went to the round of the different things and said, hey, you guys got some cans? They're like, oh, this is cute. Little redheaded kid coming over here grabbing cans. Like, you know, at least he's not, you know, stealing stuff from us. So they're putting cans in there. And I went, I think I made like four bucks, but I was losing my mind. I'm like, there's money on the ground and you guys are all ignoring it. And it's always been my mentality of like, I look at something and I go, you know what, there's money on the table here. And obviously it's, you know, it, it's been different over the years in the sense that I look at, okay, there's some money on the table, but this is, there's a lot of money on the table over here. And this is how we can put these processes in place to be able to get that money. And, you know, I remember as a kid, like I would go around like 7-Elevens and all this place. And I would kind of like the, the, you know, like the, the paper machines, they don't have not much anymore. And I would like put my finger in there and grab the change out Dude, I was making cash. I mean, it was, you know, I had four years old, but then, you know, later on, I'll tell you, and, and we actually talked about this in, in Stefan's, um, podcast. It was actually the first time I talked about it. My biggest mistake in business, and this obviously was way past my four years old mark. This was probably about eight or nine years ago. I had a business where I was, um, what I would do is I would help people that were put in bad loans. And so what I would do is I would go and I would look at their loan paperwork and we'd have attorneys look at it and they would sue the lenders like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, sue these big companies because they were offered 3% and then all of a sudden they got a 9%. And a lot of the times it had to do with the brokers in the middle you know, once again, don't go heavy into detail. I ended up getting sued for $65 million from the attorney general. The attorney general sued me for $65 million and I fought the case for two years and I ended up winning the case. There's a thousand other stories that play into that whole thing. And like what I learned from that whole process, because I had 130 employees for my business. I mean, it was a huge business. Um, and that was another thing I always told myself, I'm not going to have another business with 130 employees that I'm all there. We had this huge office and, you know, it's beautiful office and we provide all the food and it was kind of not like Google, but it was like a Google like setting, Hey, do whatever you want and have fun and, you know, make sure you're getting your stuff done. And so for me, that was, I wouldn't say it was like a, like it was something where I was like, Oh my God, I would, I'll never do that again. Or I, or I like wish that didn't happen. Um, the way that it happened sucked. And, but I learned like what I learned through that whole process, like you couldn't, you couldn't learn that going to Harvard. Nobody at Harvard has been what I've been through when it comes to that. Like you can't go teach that in a book. Like you can't get punched in the face 300 times the way that I did to, and go through that. And so for me, I've already, I've been through that, right? I mean, I've go, gone through some crazy times in business and there's really not much that can phase me these days because of what I went through back then, man, I'm getting sued by the state of California for $65 million, yeah, right? And there's weird. a lot of politics that go into that. I mean, it's very, you know, it's very politically driven because of, you know, whatever relationships let's, let's, and handshakes. Let's unpack that a little bit. Let's unpack that a little bit. So I think, I, 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 no, I think this is, this is good. Well, this is yeah. one of those cases where uh, I, I call this becoming a target. Okay. So I call this becoming a target. I believe anyone doing anything good uh, is going to get put under fire. A big example. This is like Elon Musk right now is getting put under fire. You have all of these huge, huge, huge multinational corporations that rely on oil, right? He's doing Tesla. So, uh, you know, this, this is one of those things where you're doing something that's supposed to help people, right? You're seeing these people, they're, they're, they're getting put in these loans and these loans are unfair. They're, they're, they're getting bait and switched. You're attempting to help them and all of a sudden you become a target for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal, uh, but that's, that's something that everyone listening should, should understand. You have a unique personality where you almost seek that out. Like a part of you is like, not only are you not afraid of it, you almost seek out that position uh, because it allows you to 
kind of see, oh, I'm making, I'm actually doing something in the real world. I'm making an impact. Um, so go, Just, go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Keep I'm going to tell you. So the, the thing is for me, the reason why th there was a little bit of, of me being naive too, like in the situation of saying, cause this is my goal of this whole thing to start the business was I see that there's a lady that speaks Spanish she only speaks Spanish and she didn't have an interpreter and she got a 700 page loan document. Nobody told her what was going on and she signed off on it. Like, is that legal and is that right? And so for me, I was following my heart in the sense that I felt like people were wronged, right? And in the industry, the, the mortgage industry, not to go heavy into this, but they would incentivize you to put somebody in a, in a worse loan. Like if you put a prepayment penalty on there, you make an extra two points. If you get somebody in a loan that it's going to adjust in two, in, two, in two years, you get more money. So you were incentivized to put people in worse loans. And so the, the worst loan that you could put somebody in, if you're unethical and all you care about is money, and there was a lot of people that did that, then that's what would happen. So for me, I knew that I was coming from a place of wanting to help people and I knew my intentions were good. Now, did my company make money? I absolutely did. Was I making a boatload of money? I don't say a boatload. Was I making good money? Yes, but I was reinvesting it into the company. So I'm not trying to act like Robin Hood, but then again, like I wasn't making any money. I was making money, but I should be, right? Because you're, I have this business of 130 employees. Like I, you know, I mean, people get, they complain about, oh, these CEOs making 5 million, but do you understand what they're going through? Like, I mean, they keep all those people employed and they keep that, that area, you know, anyway, so not to go heavy in that, but my point of it is I knew in my heart, I was doing the right thing. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have people come after you. That doesn't mean, I mean, this is the thing. If you don't have haters and you don't have people coming after you, you're not successful most of the time. Right. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful without that, but if you're in the, like, so give you an example, this company that I had, I was a uh, six months before they started the PR campaign. When we got sued, I was being interviewed by all the local media. Oh my God, Shane saving the day. I was on television shows. I was on billboards and everybody was like, this guy's in here. He's actually helping the people that got screwed. And then six months later, when you get the big dogs involved in PR and you know, all these other big organizations that have big budgets, they'll slander you. Elon Musk, I'm a smaller in that sense, smaller Elon Musk, right? In the sense that you're saying the same thing. Like, of course there's, you know, nobody wants Elon Musk to take over because there's gas and there's the tires and there's all this stuff that's like this, this legacy stuff. I think stuff. you're just an orangier. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> definitely an orange year. Definitely yeah. an orange year. And plus I didn't get Grimes pregnant, but anyways, that's, I mean, let's not go into heavy detail about that, but, or, or did I anyway? So let's not, let, let's not start with the politics, but the, <clears throat> the whole point is, is I knew that I was doing my, my heart was in the right place. And I knew that I was doing the right thing for people. I was a little naive in the sense of realizing like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm literally taking on the big banks. I'm taking on Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Washington Mutual. I'm taking on these huge banks, not realizing in my head really what I was doing. I was literally going to war. Like I was, you know, I was like, I'm going to go fight Rome, right? I'm going to go up against the Romans. And I had like a butter knife and I'm like, I'm going to sharpen this thing up and we're just going to go to war. And I'm like, it's like the movie 300. And I'm the one guy with the butter knife and going, you know what? I'm ready to do this. Not realizing in my head what I needed was, you know, I need more like lobbyists and I needed this. And there was a lot of stuff that I learned later on that I should have better prepared myself to go to war. But honestly, I thought like, I, Hey, I'm doing a good thing. The judges are going to see this. They're going to see that all these, these people have been put in bad loans. We had tons of press in the media, not even from my company talking about robo signers and all this stuff. There was plenty of data to back up what was going on and what we were saying. The problem with it was, is that the minute that we win a case, then that becomes a precedent that goes to court. And now the, all the judges can use that as a precedent and you could take big banks down. 
like potentially there was that potential of that. So I didn't think of it that way. I didn't really think of it. Hey, we could take bank of America. And that wasn't my goal. My goal was I'm helping Juanita that got screwed, right? Cause she's in an 8% loan and she's making 12 bucks an hour. And you have her, you know, you have her, you say that her, she has to pay a $3,500 mortgage. Like that's not going to happen. What I'm sure a lot of the stuff you learned on there too are, are critical business principles, right? Like, like the importance of legal, the importance of all these things that most people don't think about. And we're taught from like a very young age to avoid confrontation, right? We're taught in like kindergarten, like, no, don't push people. And then you get put in business where people just straight bully you. Like if you can't stand your own, people will just straight bully you. So that's a perfect example of, and it's, it's fascinating to unpack. And I think I, uh, we're going to circle back to like some funnel stuff here in just a sec. But I think it's yeah. fascinating to unpack. It's almost like a gaslighting concept where you'll go, you'll do something that's supposed to be really good. And then as soon as uh, there's kind of a flip, then all of a sudden you become the bad guy and it's this weird kind of thing. And then it's a bit, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's you against these big dogs and it's like, whoa, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I've got some stuff in, in my history too of going like against the grain. So whenever you go against the grain, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. And I think as entrepreneurs, we almost kind of have to do that. Uh, the, way, the way I think about it is, look, it's like uh, you mentioned ownership and pressure, right? The, the, the not just ability, but the necessity to deal with pressure. And I'll go further. The, the desire, the, the inherent desire to seek out more pressure and actually conquer it. Just like a bodybuilder, some people are wired to be bodybuilders. They want to go in the gym. They want to strengthen those muscles. Well, you have a money-making muscle also in your mind. And so the problem is the average person's money-making muscle is weak, right? Uh, you went, and when you were super young, you actually started strengthening that muscle by picking up cans. I also did a lot of rec that recycling stuff. I used to love doing that. I'd come in, I'd get like $13 and I'd be like, I made $13. I made it up here. Uh, you know, I, I, I told my staff today, uh, and this is a quote, I have it up right here. The number one difference between an employee and an entrepreneur is the relationship with money. So-and-so has money. They should give me some of it. That's an employee mindset. So-and-so has money, they should give me some of it. That's a complete employee mindset. If, if you're listening to this and you have that mindset, you are never going to be able to break free versus there is no money. We need to come up with a way to make it appear. That's the entrepreneur mindset. There is no money, we have to come up with a way and you put yourself under pressure and you create that positive pressure. And sure, sometimes there's kind of a slingshot effect to that value that you're seeing there. And uh, I just think it's fascinating for everyone listening to kind of wrap your head around that of, of, of going through something like that Okay. And then not only not giving up, but also saying, you know what, that doesn't matter. I went in the ring, just like an MMA fighter. I went in the ring. We did our best. We might've gotten crushed that day, but you know what? We're going to come back. We're going to train harder and we're going to win the next day. So um, that's a really admirable uh, quality. What I, what I like to do since, since you're like a marketing dude, I want to for sure pivot back to funnels because we, we went on a, on a good tangent, but I think it's an important tangent because I think people are afraid to be put under fire. They're so yeah. afraid. And let me just kind of ask you a question. Did your life totally collapse as a result of that? Yes or no? Um, no. So, I mean, there was, there was some backlash, right? I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I had to pick up the pieces because I'm, there was a point where it was me versus them, right? In, in long story short, and this is, I feel like this needs to be, I mean, I'm actually probably going to make this into a book and a movie, like, like no joke. But long story short, they actually ended up freezing all my, all my accounts, and so they literally shut my business down overnight because they froze my accounts, not legally, which is a whole nother conversation. But so there was a stop. There was like this, all of a sudden I was like, damn, like this just got real, real. Like, I don't like, so did my life end? No. Like, am I stronger because of it? Yes. Do I wish that like all of my clients didn't 
stop the stop the services and stop overnight because that's literally what happened i feel bad for those people but there was nothing i could do so for me as an, as an entrepreneur and somebody that's like listen i got to go to work i got to go figure this out and i got to be able to get my name straight i got to let people know what's going on and so that's the that that was it like i can't i'm not going to sit at the house and cry and hold myself for 10 days and i just that's not i can't do that because i'm, I'm this is affecting other people's lives so I got to get out there and I got to be able to do what I need to do to survive and to let people know what's going on. So not everybody's built for that, man. Like, honestly, my mom to this day looks back on that and says, I don't know how you made it through that. Like, I don't know, like you probably would have been dead in two years. Cause I was working 18, 20 hours. I was working crazy hours and I had 130 people supporting me, but I was like, Hey, this is my baby. And I'm going to, I'm going to back it to the day I die. And so I was like, you know, so everything happens for a reason, but you know, you know, did it crush me? Did it make me, you know, it made me stronger. Once again, I, you can't, teach what I learned. You cannot, I damn near could be an attorney with how many legal documents I've read. Yeah. It's, it's I'll huge. tell you, it's huge, man. And then crazy. And then also I'm sure like once you're in it at that time, it seems really scary. And when you look back, it's much more of an analytical component of your brain that just evaluates it. And uh, th I think that should resonate with someone. If you are going through something that seems really crazy right now, keep things in perspective. Like they, they say like all things shall pass. Uh, keep that in perspective because uh, sometimes those 130 people, uh, it might seem like a huge advantage, but what a lot of people don't factor in is it's actually a huge amount of pressure and a liability in a way. I think you mentioned this, like the CEO that has 5,000 people on his payroll gets, you know, makes millions or billions of dollars. Oh, how unfair is that? Well, okay. Then, then if that's a complaint that somebody has, you go do that. You go, you go manage my 5,000 yeah. people, see how long you last and then come back and complain about it. And I think uh, people just have a, a lack of perception as to the, the reality of what it takes to build a real business, scale a real business, uh, the psychological uh, discipline that you have to have uh, to do that. So let's, let's maybe kind of pivot uh, yeah. to, that, to that a little bit. Of, let's, let's talk about uh, psychological discipline and some of the things that you've learned. You, you have, one thing that I like about you is you have this really practical approach, even to discussing some of these very uh, kind of emotional, because that, that for me would be a very emotional ordeal and I'm sure there were emotions involved, but you yeah, know, for you, sure, you're, you're able to, to process it, which really is the mark of a great uh, entrepreneur. Athletes are a very similar way where you ask them, are you going to win? We're like, we're, we're, yes, we are, but they're not necessarily like, yeah, we're going to be the best, right? So the best guys are, are very uh, structured in the way they think about it. So how do you go about, um, let's, let's go for a practical angle here, uh, uh, disciplined construction of a funnel from a brand. So let's say, uh, just an example, I bring, I, I, I've got someone I'm like, this person has, you know, this type of angle. Um, they're kind of this, they're kind of more of a blank slate. Uh, if you were to draw up a blank slate in a disciplined fashion, how would you architect the funnel, the branding, the messaging? Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, where do you start? Do you start with what, what is that person passionate about? Do you start with something else? Um, so if you were to like from a seed, build this tree, how would you go about that? I think that'd be a fascinating, like kind of, yeah. kind of a shift. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I mean, it really depends on, I mean, first of all, I, I try to educate people on like understanding what it means to be an entrepreneur. Right. So, I mean, cause a lot of people have this idea of like, I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I took an entrepreneurship class. There was only one at my college and the instructor says, Hey, why do you be an entrepreneur? Like everybody go around the class. And so half, if not 60% of the answers were like, well, you know, I want to own a restaurant because I love to golf. And so I figured what I'll do is I'll have somebody run the restaurant. I'll make my money and then I'll go golfing. And I'd already been an entrepreneur at that point. And so this instructor was like, mm, that's very interesting. Like, do you realize that when you own a restaurant, like, are people going to know that you're the owner? Well, of course everybody will know I'm the owner. Okay. Well then guess what happens when something bad happens? Who do you think is going to get the phone call? 
who do you think is going to get at that time? There was no Yelp, but bad Yelp review or guess, you know, it's going to be you like you had like, cause they're like, well, but I won't have a boss. You're like, yeah, but every time somebody comes by you, little Helen's going to be like, Hey John, or Hey Shane, you know, I know you own Hey, come here. I want to talk to you about something real quick. Like everybody's going to be your boss. And so I think what people forget about is being an entrepreneur. It's not like this freedom like thing. Right. And I'm not saying there can't be the four hour work week. There can't be efficiencies where you can go do the things you want to do. But if you plan to start a business and just totally like just forget about it and go do something different, like it's probably not going to make it and you're probably going to have people rip you off and there's probably going to be things that will happen there. So you have to realize, are you ready to go through that? Like give you an example. Like I used to own a bar back in the day. I've talked about owning another bar, but the problem is, is guess what would happen is I would have to be at that bar almost every night. And then I would have to hire somebody to make sure that it's taken care of. But I, the minute that you and I know, I know quite a few business owners or bar owners that have left their business for six months and they just start getting ripped off by employees and stuff. And I'm not saying employees are bad, but you know, when the mice away, the mice is away, the cat must play, right? Or the cat must play or mice must play when the cat's away. Anyways, when somebody's gone, something happens, right? The point of that is, is it's the same deal. So, you know, you, I look at people and I say, okay, listen, with this idea, first of all, if you want to hire me, hire me as a consultant, I can help you with this. We're going to, this is going to be a long journey, but let's talk about what you're passionate about. Let's talk about what you, what you, the reason why you want to start this business, right? And it also talks about like, what is the, like, what are you going to be the solution to? Like, what is the problem? What is the, the issue that everybody's having? And how are you going to be the solution to that? Right. And then what is your messaging going to entail in regards to that? Like, right. So the biggest thing is, is like, Hey, um, on my landing page for the, uh, the influencer course, like the thing is, is like, wait, do you want to make money? Hey, do you want to be able to stay free at hotels? Like I'm thinking of all these points, right? The, the problem is they don't know how to make money. They don't know how to do these things. I'm going to be the answer to that. Right. And you have a great landing page too, by the way, I looked at your landing page. It was freaking phenomenal. Thank so I've, I've got a Lambo on there. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> I put the Lambo to put the Lambo for the sake of putting it. I mean, hey, Lambos are Lambos. That's just me. You're in LA. It's Lambos are the way to go. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Really quick to, to, to segue off a point. Cause I want to keep going down this thread, yeah. but I want, I want you to expand on something. You mentioned problem solution fit. Um, what if someone doesn't know? What if someone's not good at evaluating the market? Uh, how do they go about finding something that's monetizable? Because I, I see this a lot where I'll talk to someone and they're like, oh, cool, I will do this. And I'm like, well, I don't know if there's a market there for that. And they're like, yeah, but I really want to do it. Like, I'm really, I'm really, really, really passionate about, you know, th this random thing that no one really needs. Uh, so how do you go about kind of structuring that with a business model in mind? So problem solution fit, like if you could just unpack that a little bit more, I think it'd be yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for me, it's like, it's, it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to be passionate about something, but it's another thing to make money. So you have to figure out what are you looking to do? Like, Hey, is this a side project that you're just passionate about? And it's just something you want to do, or is it your goal to go and make money and, and quit your job and make this a full-time position, right? Or make this a full-time uh, job or uh, be a you know, full-time company for you. So that's really the question. And so they're like, Oh, it's just a side thing. I just want to be a photographer and I just want to make a little extra money on the side. Great. Then that's not a problem. But if you're looking to be a full-time photographer and this is what you want to do full-time then, or whatever you're looking to do, you have to figure out how you're going to monetize that. The cool part about today, give you an example. So there's so many different ways you can make money online, right? So it doesn't have to be like, people look at this as like, give you an example, the course, like if you have like your course, your course, you what you're $97 a month, right? Or the monthly. So, so we've got a couple things, um, ah. the way that, you know, I'll, I'll actually do this. I'll break down the way we architected our funnel and some of the things that were coming out and then we can tie the, we can tie the dots. I'll, I'll do, I'll do a breakdown for the guys that are listening. I think this will be huge. It's something that usually we'd talk about only internally with the team. Um, but I, I think this would be fascinating. So 
what, what's my story? I, th- I think this will t- tie it all really nicely together. So I work with Ty, right? I work with Jump Cut. I work with uh, RSD. I work with a bunch of companies, uh, CMO, CFO, managing you know a million a month in, in run rate and marketing. So responsible for the acquisition and the allocation of that. Um, and what what I was seeing was entrepreneurs. They want to become entrepreneurs, and very similar to kind of your story, they like they they're like woohoo, and then they boom, and then you run face first in this fucking wall of you need legal, <laughs> you need operations, you need accounting. Okay. I mean, da, 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 the seventy five things, right? And you know, okay, I've got the the rep of I work with some of the top marketers in the space. I'm a pretty decent copywriter, you know, marketer, funnel architector, so on and so on and so on and so on. So so we fired up an agency, and that's been rocking. We're crushing it. Uh, so we run, um, it's kind of an agency plus talent management kind of thing. When I mentioned we work with influencers. So that ends up being our top, top of the funnel offer. If someone wants to partner with us, we do that. And then I kind of reverse engineer the funnel all the way from there. So uh, to go by, by price point, well, that's a partnership model. That's a rev share model. That's an equity model. That's the, the, that's the cream of the crop. Uh, and then below that, well, wh- what, are, what is the product catalog going to look like in this space? So I start to look at the avatars of all the different people. Um, number one, you have people that already have a business, say doing, you know, five, six figures a month plus. So I've got a mentoring program for those guys. Uh, that's 2,500 group coaching. And then I've got a, like a 10 to 25 K one-on-one kind of thing. Okay. So that's, that's our little, you know, high ticket thing. Uh, then, well, what's the critical component that lies beneath, um, my ability to pretty much do anything sales and copy. And I view copywriting really as just sales psychology transferred into words. So those are the two courses that we're going to have uh, launching this year. We're going to have a copywriting course and a sales course. So that's really powerful, right? What are the, like, like if I only had two tools, those would be, it. it would be, it would be the ability to sell and then the ability to do copywriting because that's uh, copywriting is just you selling without you being present, right? You're talking about automation. So boom. Yeah. Okay. So that's anyone who could afford like two grand or a thousand. Awesome. And then what's our, our core offering? Uh, we're, we're putting something together called ACR acquisition, conversion, retention, and that's in that 300 to 600 range. And that's, I, I had to think like, what, what functions does every business need? Every business needs to acquire, which is get eyeballs on their content, right? Talking branding, then convert, take those eyeballs, turn them into dollars, and then retain those dollars so that you don't just have one-off clients that you have repeat clients. If you could just master those three things, it doesn't matter if you're in insurance. It doesn't matter if you sell, you know, these little pens, like, like you need to acquire people, you need to convert them, and then you need to get them to buy more of these pens. Um, yeah. So that's our offer. And then I went one level down and said, well, okay, how does that passion of seeing entrepreneurs go face first into the wall tie into this? So we decided to create a community. It's like a $97, you know, we focus on the real skills and really having a support community because I'm sure you resonate with this. It's always those nights when it's like two in the morning, you've been up all night, you're exhausted and you're like, where is like, you have all these people that depend on you, but you have nobody to go to. You have like a couple of your friends that are also entrepreneurs that are also busy and in a way it's it's sometimes hard to be vulnerable with people that are maybe your mentors or on your level because if you feel like if you're vulnerable they might like outcompete you there's this weird little kind of thing that, that we all have as humans right yeah yeah where you're just like oh that's your weakness boom and then all of a sudden you like don't have a company you're like no <laughs> right so, so it's it's interesting. so so we decided to create a community for that we break down the real skills and then give that supportive environment where it's okay like hey it's three in the morning your funnel's not converting you've got bills to pay Boom, comment in there and do that. So, so that was our little support mechanism. And then uh, what we're rolling out Q3, Q4 is we've got five survival guides. So that's a high school survival guide, college survival guide, nine to five survival guide, entrepreneur survival guide, marketer survival guide. And those are bottom of funnel, you know, free slash tripwire type of things to get everybody into this headspace of actually becoming an entrepreneur so that they need the ACR. In order to make that ACR work, they're going to need the copy and the sales. 
And once they have the copy and the sales, they can then get some mentoring and then eventually ascend to be able to work with us as an agency. So uh, that's, a, that's a very short, like three minute rundown of our entire, that's, that's our entire business model. That's it. So that's the way I think about it. Um, I forgot how we got on this topic, but I figured I'd share it for those. This is like a, like an Easter egg for people that stayed for the hour. See, if you're still, if you heard that you can just off that, you can make millions of dollars just off taking that, applying it to your industry, millions of dollars there. Um, so I forgot what the question was, but that's the way we think about ours. So how do you think about yours? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think we were talking about the, I think it was like the funnel. And I think I was talking about like, I think I said $97 was one of the offerings that you guys had that I know that I saw in regards to the, the community that you guys were building. And by the way, I tell you when I, so I, cause I saw your video. So I think the community that you guys are building, I hadn't been in the community, but I've heard good things about it. The thing is, is the fact of, and what you're talking about, that pain point of, cause I, this is for me growing up. That was one of my biggest things is that I was like, I can't talk to other mentors or talk to other people that are on my level because I'm like, I can do it. I can just do it. And I grinded it out myself. And that's my biggest, my biggest regret in life or regret. That's the thing of that, that commercial. Anyways, regret is the fact that I didn't ask more questions or have mentors or have a community that I could tap into. Right. Because I did, I did feel like a lot, I'm a little vulnerable and I can't really, I don't want to go in and act like I don't know how to do that. Right now. I don't have a problem with it. Like I'll tell somebody to hustle, like everybody that I hire, like, Hey, I don't know how to do PPC. I'll go hire the best PPC guy. Like I have no problem with saying that I'm, I'm not, I'm weak there. I'm weak in that area. Probably don't want to hire me for that, but you can hire this guy. And so that like your community, when I saw that, I resonated with that video that you, that you guys did because it's like, yeah, there were times 2am and I'm like, I don't know who to talk to about this. Like, I know that there's an answer. And I know if I could probably ask one guy, he's like, dude, done this a thousand times. This is what you do. And they would give me that information. I did that for thousands of people and never asked for help with other people. So for you to have that community is awesome, man. Like seriously, like that's, that is the Mecca of this whole thing because now people are going to go in and be able to ask questions and, and accelerate their learning. Like you have, that's why I tell people like these days, like I didn't have mentors. You have a chance to hire somebody at $250 now or whatever that price is for two hours and they're going to bleed out what they learned over the last 10 years. Like what? I couldn't pay that enough. 250 bucks. That's nothing. I'll pay that a hundred times because I'm gaining that knowledge. And that's where these courses come into play. And that's where all these kind of things come into play where it's like, dude, like do it. Like I'm giving you the keys to the castle to make millions of dollars. I'm giving that to you. All you have to do is implement it. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy, but I'm showing you all the stuff that we learned from these big, you know, other marketers or companies that we've worked for. I'm giving you this. This is a gift that I spent hundreds of thousands, not millions of dollars to learn how to do it right and wrong. Like there that's a always, gift. There'll always be that one guy that will complain too. You're just like, oh, come on, man. Come on. Why? Yeah, why? but he's, they're going to complain about everything. Like they complain that the movie like, was only two and a half hours. Or the seat wasn't comfortable. The popcorn didn't have enough butter. Like that guy's always, he's just right? going to be, he's like the Grinch. Like he hates Christmas too. Like it's all good. He's just right. going to be that guy. Totally. Okay. So th there's actually another element to unpack here for the guys listening. If you notice, notice how um, positively Shane reacts to my offering. Okay. And this is something for you guys who are listening to really pay attention to. There's a reason why I structure that offering a certain way is that it's such a powerful pain point that it gets people bought into the brand. Because for me, it's like one day I'm going to die. It could be today. I can be going to the gym, some guy's drunk and I could get hit and I could be just, just gone. That's it. Right? So, so my big mission is if I can help at least one entrepreneur, man, if there, there's at least one person that's like, you know what? I was frustrated. I didn't know. And you, you gave me that one tip and I adjusted my business. And it really opened up uh, the flow and it helped and it made my, my personal life better. It made my family life better. It, it made me have a better relationship. Because when you have more time, you have more time for relationships. I, I feel all this is so tied together. That's, that's a life worth, that's a life well lived. You know, I could look back at that and say, I helped somebody. So 
uh, we were talking about problem solution fit. Think about really evaluate like what are the things that Shane and I are doing with our offerings to create that level of. I mean, that's a powerful level of buy-in. That's a level you. you I, I had to create something where if you go to Elon Musk with it, he's like, "Dude, that's a really cool thing. You guys need to, you guys need to look at that, right?" And just the same way that you kind of endorse it here. Um, and that's a, that should be a marketing lesson for everyone listening, since this is a a marketing oriented, I think, conversation of what is the psychological tendency for you to say, yo, this is something really good. It's like this Australia thing that's happening with the animals. Like nobody that's can, terrible. like nobody can be like, oh my God, don't like, I was in tears two days ago in actual tears, like a, like a six-year-old child because these little quackas are, koalas, and, and, yeah. yeah, the quackas and the koalas and the kangaroos are, they're, they're completely helpless. And I was in tears. I was on my floor in tears, crying like a six-year-old. I was like, why, 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 why are we so stupid? as human beings to, to have all this technology, to have all these resources. And yet these animals, uh, we're not protecting them. Like, like we are the caretakers of this earth. Now we've been given it and we're completely abusing it in the street. And that's a separate topic, but it, it is something that resonates really powerfully. So you were talking about, pro, um, uh, we were talking about what you would do from scratch. Uh, you were talking about problem solution fit. And I kind of, kind of segued there into this, but I think it's important for people to kind of start adjusting their psychology of, wait a minute, you, these guys are smart marketers. What are they doing with their offers? Fascinating. So maybe if you want to c- continue going from a, you know, find a problem solution fit um, and just keep blazing forward. Yeah. So the, so once again, if there's a problem solution, right, I mean, that's, that's going to be the key. That really is the Mecca of like most, not most, a good amount of entrepreneurs. The reason why they start a business is because, Hey, there's an issue. I went to like software companies. I go in and I was going to find this and I couldn't find this and there's no software that would do it. And so they go and create it. And obviously I make it sound extremely easy. It's not like an overnight deal. You just create software. But what you have to do is if you have a problem, right? And you think of that problem, there's not a solution out there. Then you have to figure out how many other people have that same problem. So your course is an example. Like you have $97. You guys can come in. You guys are in a community of entrepreneurs where once again, when I saw that video for me, I was like, dude, that's me. Like I've been there a thousand times and going like, who do I ask about this? Right? Like my dad wasn't a marketer, like nobody in my family are marketers and they look to me as the main marketer. So I got to, you know, keep this facade of being the smart dude. And now I'm like, well, who do I go to? So, you know, that's where you, you are that solution, right? The solution is, is $97. You can have access to a community of people that you can grow with and ask questions. You guys can ask what you think is a stupid question to somebody that's going to be like, Hey, it's not a dumb question. Here goes the answer. Takes two lines. Here goes a quick video on what we did. Here goes some, a blog post that I wrote. Like there's huge value in that, like building out that community and having that. And then you as an entrepreneur, building that out. Then the other side of this thing was like, Hey, you realize that there's a, there's a need there. And it's only a hundred dollars a month. So it's a nominal charge, but then, and then you as an entrepreneur, if you have a thousand people in there, I mean, you do the math, right? I mean, how much money is there? And you're doing that. And really that's your, you built a community that's helping each other. And it's only a hundred dollars a month. And then you as an entrepreneur can make that better and better and better. Now you've built this business with only a thousand people. You don't need to have Instagram and have 10 million people on your Instagram. You just don't. There's other ways to build this. It doesn't need to be this crazy big monster. I mean, I know people that have a hundred core clients and that don't bother them, don't do anything that's kind of like an automated type thing or a software. They charge $40 a month. They've got 2000 people. You do the math then you build out that company. So what you have to figure out is, is like, where do you want to spend your time? Right. And how do you want to spend your days? And so you can build out these communities and obviously there's great things that can happen in those communities, but you have to think about why you want to create that business. Like, what is your goal in mind, right? Is it just to help people? Great. My thing was to help people, right? I wanted to help people when it came to helping people in bad loans. Now, did I want to make money? Of course I did. 
right? I mean, I'm not, I, I need to be able to pay for my stuff. And, you know, if I had a family and all that other fun stuff. So, you know, but at the end of the day, you just have to figure out like, once thing you have to, you talked about it, like reverse engineer it, right? And like figure out like, hey, this is what I want to do. And then you have to back it out and say, okay, so what do I need to do to get there? How am I going to monetize it? What do I need to do? Do I need to, you know, build it up and you know, do SEO and content? Or is it going to be more of a PPC play? Or am I going to go and, you know, speak at local events? And that's how I'm going to drive people. What am I, am I going to sell something? Am I going to sell a product or a service? You have to look at that. And there's courses, literally courses that you can take for $100 that can help you define those ideas right? They help you put those things together so you can say, okay, now I have a little bit of a plan and now I know where I want to head and what direction I want to head in. And that's the thing is that there's plenty of help. When I started doing this 20, 25 years ago, there was no people that said, hey, go Google search this and go look it up. Like it was just me going, I, I got to figure this out. There was like, get a freelancer and Shane. It was like that and like MySpace. I think it was like the three things that were online or something. And right. And here I am trying to figure it out. So these days we're blessed with the sense of that you can read about it. You can you educate yourself. And then when you really want to take it to the next step, you have communities and courses and stuff that you can take. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned a few times you help influencers with this. So let, let's do the shameless plug because I think your stuff is very high level, very impactful, very powerful. I'm having an absolute blast. In fact, I'm learning things on this podcast, which, which is just, just amazing. I, lo I love that feeling. How can people find out more about you, whether they're influencers, not influencers, what would be like your, your shameless plug? You know, we do vet as a, as a caveat before, before you go into this, we do vet the people we have on the podcast. And so we kind of look at like, what's something that's really good. That's going to make an impact. Um, and so that's why we do like shameless plug time. I think it's important. Those of you guys that are listening, got to understand like everything we've talked about says respect the dollar, respect the business model. And so if you're not able to process, Oh, wait a minute, there's a way to, to make exponential value here to make exponential growth. Oh, wait a minute. How is Shane about to frame this? You should be paying attention. Even if you're, if you're not somebody who has money or anything, or you, even if you don't want to be an influencer, like snap to attention here and get your mind locked in on, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. He's about to talk about his thing. Like th this thing here is, is the core of your business. Right. Uh, and so, uh, tap into how much people care and how much you have to care. I think so many people want to be these influencers but they don't care about their business model at all. And this is what you've talked about over and over again. I think it's so huge. Um, and I'd love to give people the opportunity. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do some sort of discount thing. We'll figure that out. I don't know if there'll be some special something. We haven't thought that through yet. But how can people like get a hold of you, find out more, influence our course, like take it away, shameless plug. It is, I think, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So, I mean, right now the, um, I mean, obviously my main website, which is just shanebarker.com. You can go there, have newsletter. And so I update people in any kind of digital marketing news, SEO, influencer marketing, content marketing, anything in that realm. Um, you can actually go to howtobeaninfluencer.com. That's the direct domain. So howtobeaninfluencer.com. You can go on there. Um, and then you can actually, what you'll do is there's um, actually on my website and on there, if you actually, let me take this back. If you go to my website, shanebarker.com, we'll actually have a, a little thing that will pop up and and says, hey, do you want to be an Instagram influencer? Click yes. And then what it'll do is it'll take you over and it'll take you to a messenger and you're going to sign up through a little chat bot, asks you some questions of like, hey, what are your, you know, what are your struggles? Like, what are you struggling with if you want to be an influencer? What kind of influencer do you want to be? Real basic questions. And then what we do is we're going to be sending out um, an email once we actually do the launch. And the launch will happen probably going to happen in February, right in the February area. We're finalizing all the videos and getting all the stuff done right now. But the idea of the course really is, um, is A, if you're, you know, watching Kim Kardashian and you're watching all these people and you're like, oh my God, I want to make millions of dollars and I want a pink poodle and I want all this stuff. 
this probably isn't the course for you. Like we're not, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a pink poodle because I think everybody deserves a pink poodle, but really what it is is like, how do you become an influencer and how do you become really turn this into a business, right? Whether you're an influencer or a content creator, like how do I go and monetize this? Right. And a lot of people don't even start with even the most basic steps. And so what we're doing is the idea of the course and what I, the reason why we developed it a little differently than other courses is, I literally, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be watching a video of me showing you exactly how to do things, giving you real world examples of here goes an influencer who's doing a good job. Here goes an influencer who's not doing a good job. You know, what kind of niche are you looking for? What is your going to be your sub niche? How are you going to plan on making money? What kind of content are you going to produce? And then breaking that down. What are your goals? How much money do you want to make a month? Hey, Shane, I want to make a million dollars a month. Okay, awesome. Who doesn't? probably want to take it back a few steps. Why don't we make $500 a month? Why don't we pay our car payment from that? And then we can go to a thousand, we can graduate to 5,000. And then maybe you get the pink poodle, right? Maybe that's a prize or something that maybe a hotel like that gives you after you stayed in their hotel for 500 times. I don't know. But the point is, is we want you to be able to go look at this. I want them to have some small wins to be able to get to a certain point. And there'll be like a certificate that they'll get at the end of like, hey, you made it through the course. And you can also show that to brands to say, hey, listen, like I know what I'm doing because I've gone through Shane's course. It's not like something where I'm like, I think I'm an influencer. I've been in a bikini six times and I went to the Maldives eight years ago. So I'm, I'm an influencer. That's that's not it. I'm not saying that doesn't help, but at the end of the day, it's like, how do you turn this into a business? And this curriculum's all going to be based off my UCLA curriculum. So usually at UCLA, you're going to pay, you know, we won't even get into what they have to pay in, in, you know, in regards to going to school there. This is going to be pennies on the dollar. So you guys can go there, go to howtobeaninfluencer.com, sign up, and then we'll send you guys some messages on what's going on. We also have some scholarships we're doing. We're giving away 10 scholarships, free scholarships. Um, really, it's a nominal cost just to do it, but you know, we like to obviously give back as well. If some people can't afford it, we get that as well. Um, and we're just looking to build that community, kind of like the same way you guys have had. You know, you know, build this community of people that can find out about influencer jobs, can talk about how to improve their profiles, talk about the algorithms that's happening on Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to also show people how to be able to beat the algorithms, right? Because that's the big thing. And people are like, oh, the algorithms changed. And I'm like, the only thing guaranteed is that the algorithm is going to change and it's never going to help your business. So, you know, you want to diversify and have a website and be able to, you know, you want to drive traffic to that website. We talk about all that, but really comes down to the foundation. So like, once again, I mean, the fact that you guys have me on the podcast is super awesome. Um, I, you know, I feel blessed to be on here and you guys, you know, this is, this is great. Awesome, man. Yeah, for sure. And as always, obviously we'll include all the, uh, the show notes, all the links uh, down below. And uh, that's a great pitch. I think for everyone listening. So two things I want to unpack. Number one is I've got this concept for this year. Okay. Moving towards life, moving towards life. So, so often, uh, and I'm sure everybody here has had this where like you whip out your phone, you go to Instagram for no reason. It's like, <laughs> let me open up an Instagram for no reason. Why? So you could look at booty pictures. So you can, you know, like random Lamborghini, like photos of other people. And that's the emphasis of other people. So if you want to be, find yourself in a position where you're doing the things that are in your mind, right? You have this great vision, you close your eyes, you're like, I'm doing X, Y, Z. And then you open your eyes and you're like, I'm not there yet. And you don't know the first step. It's because you're not taking the first step. Uh, so the, the whole point with this podcast is we're giving you guys the tools to take those steps to find yourself so that the next time that you close your eyes and you visualize, I'm doing this, you open your eyes back up, you are actually doing that thing. I had that realization a couple of years ago. I've always wanted to do like the Bali laptop lifestyle month, you know, and then I, I ended up doing a couple months in Bali. And guess what? I would be in a cafe in Ubud sitting there with a beautiful, you know, uh, I, had, I had my girlfriend at the time with me, I had this beautiful organic drink. Uh, I had this amazing food. I have my laptop. I have my Wi-Fi. I'm checking my team. Uh, I'm spending like an hour or two a day on work tops. And I was like, oh my God, 
I did it. But the thing that's going to push you over the edge is to go and say, wait a minute, I've got something right here in front of me. Am I going to space out? Am I going to procrastinate? Or am I actually going to boom? I'm going to say, I am going to push myself into being closer to life, not further away from life, closer to life and actually being it and actually taking the actions that would uh, be, uh, you, you know, the ownership of someone who's doing it. AKA your actions are also your ownership. If you are someone who, let's say, is an entrepreneur, your actions should reflect that. If you're someone who is an influencer, your actions should reflect that and do reflect that. And I think a lot of people want to be something, but their actions don't reflect it. AKA everybody wants to be in good shape, but nobody wants to go to the gym. Perfect example. And there's countless others. So I urge you guys, we're going to include the links in the show notes so that you can take action. And the, the second thing I want to unpack is you mentioned uh, entrepreneurship in a way can be, you know, uh, the people that want freedom from entrepreneurship, you have to understand it's not really freedom. Uh, and, and I kind of want to unpack this like in, in the reverse way, but it is like ultimate freedom, right? And I think you'll agree with this. It is ultimate freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's exactly, it, it's a blessing and a curse because if I want to go and, and just do whatever, like go ride roller coasters, you know, I'm like, I can tell my team tomorrow, guys, I decided to go ride roller coasters. I'm going to ride every roller coaster in the world and boom. And, and you know, the company might still, it will probably still run for a while, right? But you know, it is quote, ultimate freedom, which means uh, if you want to break out of this like, like little cage that you're in of, of having a boss or of having a business that's not working or even being trapped in your own business, as I'm sure you and I have been before, um, you need to be taking the actions that are beholden of someone who is in that position of having the ultimate freedom. And actually you need significantly more discipline because you, there's no containment unit, right? It's like, if you and I wanted to go like rage it in Hawaii right now, I'd be like, Shane, let's go to Hawaii. And you'd be like, okay, let's go. Right. And we could totally be like, we could totally do it. If we were like 10 year old kids, like we totally do it. Right. But there's a part of your brain that, or even just, do you want to go? Uh, anyway, it's, it's like, uh, right. Uh, so there's a part of your brain that's like, oh my God, I could do anything. And it goes very big picture. And then it, it kind of runs away with it almost like a child. Like I think being an entrepreneur, uh, you, it, it, I talk about these levels. Okay. Of, of, of business. Uh, there, there's, there's the baby level where you, you're a baby and you can't do anything and you're completely dependent on everyone. And then you kind of evolve to level two and that's the worker bee, right? That's the, I will work really, 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 really hard and I'll just outwork everyone, right? Well, coal miners work really hard, but yet they don't really have the lifestyle that would be beholden of someone who's free and has entrepreneurship. Then you get to level three, which is the executive of, okay, well, this, this work hard thing doesn't really work. I'm gonna manage, I'm gonna delegate, I'm gonna get people, I'm gonna manage. I'm, I'm the executive now, I become, you become the executive. And then you become to level four, which is the entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur is all three of the levels below it. So you have that childish exuberance and the ability to just totally have fun. Like you're a super fun guy to talk to. So it's like too bad to have fun, right? To be able to be kind of a worker bee and like get the stuff done. And then to be an executive and a leader, all three of those in perfect synergy kind of really create that profile of a great entrepreneur. And then you have level five, which is like the visionary, right? Which is kind of a, an evolved entrepreneur. So I think it's fascinating uh, the way that you've unpacked that. And I kind of wanted to give people a second perspective here on that. Um, everyone listening, if you're still listening, it's been over an hour, well over an hour. Get, get it, get the course. Okay, we're gonna include the link, go to it right now, get it. It's a no brainer. And again, be someone who takes the actions that represent the person you want to be because uh, the way I view this is every time you actually don't, you're actually moving away. So it's not like you, you, it's not like a static thing. It's if you visualize yourself being this great influencer and you don't take action on stuff like this, you're not just staying still, you're actually moving away. You're actually moving further and further away because you're training your brain to not take action when opportunities are in front of you. And that is just, that's just not what we do, man. That's not what we do. We, we take action, we deliver value, we just drive results. Do it. Absolutely. Just do it. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. It's been an hour and, and, and 20 minutes. I just realized that I want to be respectful of your time. So we'll do this. We'll do the last one. Do you have kids yet? Do you have kids? You have a wife, I do. I, I have a 20 year old. You, have a you do the math on that. Uh, no, the math, I, I talked about 15 year olds having sex. So you do the math. I might've been that 15 year old. I'm not going to fully give the age, but I'm not, I'll tell you it was early. That's wild. Dude, you, I don't know. You look super young. Your, your spirit is, you have a young spirit. It's, it's good. You're, Thanks. You're, you're, you're a bit of a rascal. You're, there's a lot of punk rock in there. For uh, sure. Dude, I love it. I love it. You're kind of like the Ed Sheeran of marketing. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> great. I'll take it. It's a blast. Okay, well, let's, let's wrap with this. So, so, so Tim has the, his little, you know, billboard speech. The way that I do mine is, uh, let's say, you know, you're, you're, you're old, you're, you're well in your years, and you're sitting there in, in your Scottish castle or your, your Irish castle, what have you, and um, it's kind of like your last day. You kind of know it's your last day, and, and your kids come up and like, well, how do I live my life? You know, what is that thing? Um, that you tell them? I mean, oh, how should they live their life? I, I would, you know what, I would, you live your life without worries. I mean, the thing is, and that's very difficult to do. I'm literally just reading books on this and being mindful and, and not, and, and realizing that your thoughts are only your thoughts. And so if I, my son came to me and says, hey, I'm, you know, like, how do I live my life? I would say that you, you want to be obviously compassionate, right? And you want to obviously take care of people, but you don't, you have to realize that your thoughts are only your thoughts and that you are the one that come up with your thoughts. And so don't let yourself run away with that. When there's plenty of people that have thoughts and do bad things and do this and do that, but remember they're only your thoughts. Don't make assumptions. And so, you know, really question that. And so I think that's for me and where I'm at in my life is like, is like this position of, like good things have happened to me, good and bad, but like, how can I be mindful? How can I be mindful of where I'm currently at and, and good things that are happening and, and really appreciate life. And so that's where I'm at. And I would kind of tell people to think the same thing. Like you don't, you're, you're the only one that sets your own boundaries. I think that's a big thing. And people look, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, but, but you can though. Like we're in America for God's sakes. And there's like the internet, like you can literally do anything you want. There, there's nothing stopping you. Oh, I don't have enough money. There's programs. Like you can go make money. Like you can go you know, get some cans or something like whatever you need to do. The thing is, is for me, it's like, just don't let people hold you back. Right. Be mindful, be passionate, but don't let people hold you back. Dude. I love it. Thank you so much, brother. There is no thought police. If you think it's crazy and outrageous, you should go for it and see who stops you. Nobody uh, might be there. You might, you might be really surprised that there actually is no thought police and that you can do whatever you put your mind to brother. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, it's been Absolutely. an absolute blast. I wish I could do this all day, every day. We're, we're going to create a WhatsApp group with pump up messages. Uh, yeah. They just have pandas and, and sharks and Love all, pandas. all sorts of stuff. Um, gentlemen, this has been the Hustle System Podcast, uh, where we unpack the patterns of success and failure for some of my favorite people on this lovely planet Earth that we are here on today. We have had Mr. Shane Barker on. Thank you so much, sir. You can find him as always at Shane Barker on Instagram or shanebarker.com and check out his course. It's going to be amazing. And there is much more coming in this great year. I love you all for listening. Thank you so much. Lots of hearts and happy new decade. Bye-bye. Bada-bing. Bye. It really is a revolution. Listen, uh, We've never wavered from that vision. I believe we should strive to do things in this spirit. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. There have come with incredible rapidity one electrical arc. <laughs>
after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted.